Well, good morning and Merry Christmas. We are so glad that you all could spend part of your Christmas season here with us at Rock Hills as we celebrate Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. That is what this season is all about, and uh, this is a great place to spend it. I love spending Christmas together with you all. We're all just a group of ordinary people who truly try to strive to love God, love others, and help people find and follow Jesus. And so we want to thank you for spending this Christmas uh, time with us as we approach Christmas Day. And the closer we get, Christmas brings all sorts of feelings, right? I mean, hopefully there's a tremendous sense of joy that goes along with Christmas for you. Maybe excitement and anticipation as that day draws closer. Or maybe as we get a little bit older, it brings a little bit of nostalgia, right? And uh, memories of, of good times that uh, have passed, but yet we still hold dear. Maybe for you, it just brings some hunger, thinking of all the great food, right? Tiffany and I went to a gathering last night, and man, the cookies they had out. And it's like immediately my stomach just goes, you know, just when, when my eyes see it, it brings up uh, that anticipation. And Christmas is full of anticipation. Sometimes Christmas as well can bring about extra pressure, right? I mean, if you feel like you have to get just the right gift or you're going into situations with family or friends uh, where it's just a little bit tense and maybe even a little bit awkward, or maybe there's financial difficulties or relational difficulties. And so Christmas can bring all sorts of pressure. It can bring grief as well as we mourn those uh, who are with us and and opportunities that have gone by and relationships that have, have passed by. It can bring grief as well. There's all sorts of uh, of emotions and feelings that go along with Christmas. However, I think one of the emotions that we never really associate with Christmas would be terror, right? I mean, we don't really think of that when we think of Christmas, maybe a little bit of anxiety and stress, but not necessarily terror. I mean, we're talking about a warm, fuzzy Santa Claus. How could there be terror, right? I mean, there is the whole deal of, you know, sit on his lap and he's going to show up on your roof in the middle of the night and come down your chimney, which is all a little bit awkward. And we do even have a little bit of evidence that it could be a little bit terrifying. You might want to cover the kid's eyes. We've got exhibit A right here. Sweet dreams tonight, kids. It's a little bit disturbing, I will admit, but I still think we can all agree when we think of Christmas, we don't necessarily think of terror and fright, but yet there is a sense of that that we will talk about today. And I have to confess, I although it's not directly Christmas related, it, it happens to fall at this Christmas for me. I've experienced a new level of fright in my own life. Uh, by the way, if you weren't here last week, we made a big announcement for the journey of our church here at Rock Hills, and that is we have found a building that we are going to be leasing. I think we have a picture of that up here. Uh, we're entering into a new season 
which will be sometime in early uh, spring 2020 uh, that we will actually move in. But rather than just sugar plums dancing in my head, although I'm extremely excited about everything that can happen here. It means that we're going to have space that we can use for more than just Sunday mornings and meetings that we can have in a place that we could call home for the long term. So yes, there are those sugar plums in my head a little bit. At the same time, there's a little bit of fright because I am very well aware of the weight that I don't want to make the wrong decision right? And we've got a board of elders that has prayed with us on this, and we've got many people here that have prayed with us about this, but I feel it down to the core of my being. I don't want to do the wrong thing. There would be a poor choice for us as a church community, for our future, for our children, and so inside I feel this reverent sense of fear of, God, I want to do the right thing. I want to be a good steward of our resources, the money that you guys faithfully give and uh, the, the, uh, the volunteering that you guys do to make this such a great place, the relationships that you guys build to make Rock Hill so wonderful. I want to be a good steward of all of those things. So this has been my prayer. Lord, don't let fear dictate my decisions. Because as I've looked at all this, I've sensed that. God, we could just keep doing the same thing and be here, but yet I feel like God is leading us on to the next step. And my prayer is, God, don't let fear dictate my decisions. And that can be a reality for all of us because we could all have different fears that we wrestle with, things that hold us back from steps that we need to take in life and fears that just become a roadblock for us. My prayer for all of us is, God, don't let fear dictate our decisions. I do want to brag on one of our college students real quick. Uh, I won't name any names, uh, but this particular college student has a fear of heights. And uh, so he decided this year he was going to overcome his fear of heights. So uh, without naming any names, uh, I do have a picture here of, okay, I'll name names. Johnny, Johnny Young decided to overcome his fear of heights and jumped out of a plane this week. Uh, and went skydiving for his 20th birthday. So congratulations, Johnny. But I respect that. I'm not going to let fear keep me back from who I feel like I am supposed to be. And we live in this world between the fear that holds us back and the faith that calls us to the place where God wants us to be. We've talked about in this series, we live between the already and the not yet as we anticipate Christ coming and coming again. We live between the darkness and the light as it talked about in John. We live between heaven and earth. And in the midst of this falling, fallen world, we're surrounded by fears that sometimes cause us to resist the faith that God calls us to walk in. In this season, I'm reminded that I can't let fear dictate my decisions. I must let faith dictate my decisions. Faith for what we hope for, but we don't see yet, as the Bible calls it. Hope for those things. I can't let fear be my guide. We live between fear and faith. And fear can be a sneaky little character, right? Sometimes fear looks like 
just simply cautiousness. Sometimes it looks like I'm trying to be wise in this moment, but yet fear can be crippling for us so many times. And when fear becomes crippling, we begin to develop patterns in our lives where we teach ourselves to avoid fear. And this is probably a whole other series that we need to get into sometimes. But sometimes fear becomes like a puppeteer in our lives. Because we become so used to running from fear that then we develop patterns of fear in our life that cause us to do whatever we can to avoid rejection, to avoid humiliation, to avoid commitment or failure, unmet expectations, Maybe just to avoid clowns in your life. I don't know. All kinds of fear that we try to avoid in our lives. But as we celebrate Christmas, as we prepare for what God has ahead for us as a church community and for you as families and individuals in 2020, we don't want to let fear dictate our decisions, but we want to let faith lead the way. So what does that have to do with the Christmas story, you may ask? And I would say everything. Although we don't really think of it with the Christmas story, I want to talk to you today about some fear and terror that we find in the book of Luke. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 says this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, watching over their flocks at night, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Right? Here's these shepherds. They're out working the pasture, watching the sheep, what they do every single day and night. And one particular night, when they're on the hillside, angels show up and begin speaking to them. And the Bible says... Just like I think you and I would respond, they were terrified. So for the shepherds, as we talk about the Christmas story, for them, it's it's not a warm, fuzzy Santa Claus story. This, This is more like a Quentin Tarantino terror story, right? I mean, they were terrified. And they're not the only ones. Zechariah and Elizabeth, we see in chapter 1. An angel spoke to them, and it says they were gripped with fear. Another translation says Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw the angel. So again, we see a couple here that sees an angel, and what is their response? It wasn't, you know, every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings, kind of happy moment. It was terror. They were terrified because they're seeing an angel. Also... Because they just found out that they were pregnant, they were expecting a child, and the Bible says that they are very old. It didn't say that they were old or a little bit more mature. It says that they were very old, right? So just imagine, you're in your 70s, 80s, 90s. You go in for your checkup to the doctor, ladies, and the doctor comes in and says, well, I've got some interesting news for you. You're pregnant, Right? I mean, the overwhelming emotions that you would feel in that moment would be indescribable. And here's Elizabeth and Zechariah. An angel shows up and says, your prayers have been answered. And if I was them, I probably would have been thinking, that was my prayer 50 years ago. You know, did it get lost in the mail or what's going on here? He shows up and says, your prayers are answered. You will have a child. 
And as you can imagine, they were terrified on multiple levels. There's Mary and Joseph that we're all familiar with in the Christmas story. As we've already talked about a little bit in this series, but they had a high level of fear. An angel too visited them. First words to them are, hey, hey, fear not. So immediately, don't be afraid. It wasn't just the angel, it was also the circumstances. As you know, they're engaged to be married and find out that Mary is pregnant. So there's the fear of this whole relationship. How is it going to work out with Mary and Joseph? How will the community respond? How will their family respond? Not to mention it's their first child. Some of you here have had your first child in 2019. We've actually had an abundance of children this year, actually. But when you find out that first child is coming, there's a bit of fear there because you realize, I don't know how to do this, right? So Mary and Joseph are feeling that on a natural level, I don't know how to raise a child, much less the Son of God, right? Can you imagine the fear that they must have faced? And on top of that, there's the fear of finances. You guys have felt financial stress before, right? Well, they find out that, that the ruler comes out and says, everybody has to go back to their hometown and pay taxes. And it's not just like you could hop in your car and drive over to your hometown. You walked or you rode a donkey if you were able to do that. For Mary and Joseph, this would have been about a 90-mile trip, which is a long walk long ride on a donkey if you're full-term pregnant, right? I mean, it's, it's a scary situation. After Jesus is born, Pharaoh issues a decree that all of the infant boys must be killed. Genocide. Can you imagine the terror that Mary and Joseph felt, that every parent felt? I mean, we can't even comprehend something like that. So then Mary and Joseph, the Bible tells us, flee to Egypt. They are refugees literally on the run to save their child's life. The Christmas story, although it's warm and fuzzy for us now, the original Christmas story, it's full of fear and terror. There is so much that is frightening about that story. Let's pick back up in Luke chapter 2 as the angel continues to talk to the shepherds. He said, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior is born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. So the angel's proclamation to these shepherds is, fear not. Don't be afraid. I know this is a terrifying situation, but I'm going to ask you to have faith. I'm going to ask you not to fear, but to believe that the Messiah has come. Fear not is all throughout the Christmas story. Even though it's terrifying, we see this continual message, fear not, fear not. It's not just the Christmas story, it's actually all throughout the Bible. When God appears to Abraham in the Old Testament, he says, fear not, for I will protect you. Then he appears to his son Isaac and says, fear not, 
for I am with you and I will bless you. He appears to Moses. The Israelites are trapped between the Egyptian army and the Red Sea. Fear not, stand still and the Lord will deliver you. He appears to Joshua at the Jordan River. Fear not, I will be with you. I will not fail you or abandon you. In the New Testament, to Joseph, fear not. To Mary, fear not. To the disciples, when they're caught in a deadly storm on the boat, Jesus says, fear not, for I am with you. To John on the island of Patmos, fear not, for I am the first and the last. I am the beginning all the way to the end. I am with you. Over and over throughout scripture, God realizes we live in a terrifying world surrounded by terrifying things. But he says, fear not. I am with you. And rather than fear, I want to ask you to have faith, to believe. Now, as we've said, Christmas is not necessarily associated with fear and terror, right? That doesn't make the the, the, the front of the Christmas card, right? <laughs> Hope you don't have too much terror this year, right? It's, it's not on our family photo. It doesn't make the Hallmark movies. It's not there, right? Fear is not very Christmassy, but it's not a subplot of the Christmas story. For many reasons, fear dictates, dictates our decisions, It affects the way that we interact with other people. It affects how much we give love and receive love. It it affects how much we are willing to trust God when it comes to our time, our finances. Every part of our lives can be dictated by fear. But fear is not supposed to be part of the meaning of Christmas. It's supposed to be faith. It's supposed to be believing in God when we can't even see all of the details coming together yet. Faith is the lead in the story of Christmas. It is the opening message because faith leads us to good news of great joy and goodwill toward all men. And that's what we want. And that's what the angel shows up and says, I am bringing In Jesus, good news, great joy, goodwill toward all men, and it begins with faith. You guys may have heard the story, but there was a there was a little boy, and he was he was a little bit honorary guy. He tended to get in trouble a lot with his parents, doing things he shouldn't be doing. And one day, his mom, as it got close to Christmas. He was in trouble and she said, I need you to go take a time out in your room. Why don't you go in there and pray for a while because Christmas is coming soon and you have not been a very good boy. So he goes to his room and he begins to realize Christmas is coming. That means presents. If I want presents, I need to be a good boy. So he starts to make a wish to Santa and then he realizes, no, I know what to do. I learned this at church. I am going to ask Jesus. So he sits down and he begins to write a letter to Jesus. And he says, dear Jesus, I promise to be very, 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 very good next year. Tears it up. Thinks, no, I can't be good for a whole year. That's really hard. Dear Jesus, 
I promise I will be very, 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 very good this week. He thinks about it. He tears it up. He thinks a week is a really long time. Dear Jesus, I will try to be good for the next day. He thinks about it again, tears it up, throws it away. Then he gets up and he takes the pillowcase off of his pillow. He goes out to their living room where they have the manger scene set up. He looks around. He takes Mary, puts her in the pillowcase, and stuffs her under his bed. Then he sits back down and he says, Dear Jesus, if you ever want to see your mother again... Now, I know we wouldn't be that overt, right? But we do the same thing in so many ways. God, if you will do this, I'm going to be really good next year. God, if you will answer this prayer, I'm going to stop doing this. God, if you will do this, then I will do this. And we would never do what that little boy did, right? But we can be guilty of the same thing. And here's what I want to encourage you of today, because God is a God of good news. He does not need to be bribed. His love for you is good. He is good. His will is good. His news is great. As a matter of fact, the very first lie that we see in the garden, right, with Adam and Eve, Satan shows up as a snake, is this, God is holding out on you. He's not giving you the very best. And that's where we have the fall of man, is because they begin to believe God is holding out on me. I can do better myself than God will do for me. Fear causes that kind of reaction. God, I don't know if I can trust you. So I'm going to take things into my own hands. When we live that way, our love is reactive. We love people based on how they behave and what we get from them. And we give them conditional love back. But that's not the love of God that we see here in the Christmas story. God's love is proactive. The, the way that God loves you, I want you to hear this very clear. This is the message of Christmas. The way that God's love you, God loves you is not based on anything that you do or don't do. God loves you, period. When Jesus showed up, it wasn't based on how good they were or how bad they had been. It was tidings of good news and great joy. At the very heart of Christmas is a God who brings good news. It's his love. At Bethlehem, it's God with us. When we get to Calvary, it's God for us. At Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes, it is God in us. The good news is God is with us, God is for us, and God is in us. In Psalms, it says, There is no good thing that God will withhold from those who walk uprightly before him. Jesus says, If, if earthly parents like you and I can give good gifts to our children, some of you have taken detailed time to find good gifts for people, right? Jesus says, if earthly parents can find good gifts for their children, do you not realize how much more the heavenly father wants to do in your life? 
It is the very nature of God to work in our lives. Advent, it's the coming of Christ. Truth is, we live between the brokenness of fear and the wholeness of faith. And God calls us to move towards the good news of faith. Fear not is the message of the angels. Instead, believe in the good news that he has come to give us. Good news and great joy. It's present here and now. It's active and moving in our lives. He is Emmanuel, God with us right now in this moment. These shepherds are people who were the very bottom rung of that society. They were the lowest of the low. They lived out in the field and watched these sheep. And yet, the very good news of all the world, of all mankind, God shows up and gives to them. This is what he says in verse 13 through 18. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told what had been told them about this child and all who had heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them these men let their fear be turned to faith these are men who would not have had the opportunity to speak to a great audience to speak to common people in this village and they certainly would have had an emotional and relational fear, knowing that their message is never going to be heard. But we see here in this context, these shepherds, their fear was turned to faith. They had seen the Messiah, and it says they went and told everybody. These men were changed by good news of great joy that had transformed their lives. My prayer is that we would not let fear dictate our decisions, but our fear would turn to faith because that is the advent of Christ. That is the Christmas story. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness, Lord, and that you are Emmanuel, God, with us. And Father, I just want to speak right now to every situation that holds us back, every fear that we've allowed to cripple our lives in some sort of way. And Father, I just want to echo what you have said through the voice of the word, through the Bible. Fear not, for I am with you. Would you take just a moment, whatever things in your life that may hold you back, whatever fears there may be, even in the way you see yourself or you see your future. Would you lay those at the feet 
of Jesus today? And would you listen to what the Holy Spirit may say to you? Lord, I thank you that you sent Jesus, that we could know you, Father, that we could have a relationship with you. Lord, just like you came to this this lowly couple, Father, just like you came to the lowly shepherds, Father, we don't deserve it, but Father, you have come to us. And Father, we don't want to miss that opportunity, but Father, we want to do as the shepherds did. Let's go and see. Let's meet you. And so today, whether it's your first time or whether you've prayed this a million times, I just want to encourage you, would you welcome Jesus into your heart, into your life, into your spirit? Just in your own words, would you take a moment to ask him to forgive you, to set you free where you need freedom, and to receive the sacrifice that he has given you? Dear Lord, we thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus, the blood of Jesus that forgives our sins and makes us a new creation. Father, today we receive you. We receive your good news, your glad tidings of joy. We welcome you into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.